Welcome in to another episode of the Jim and Prim Show. Jeff, we are at episode number nine right now, so we're almost into double figures here. But for the mo for the meantime, we will go with episode nine, and we got a lot to cover. A lot happening again this week. Uh, Big Ten is on once again after being off before being on. So it's the uh, plight of the Big Ten and what some of the experts on Sirius XM call the clown show, <laughs> which is the Big Ten conference uh, for football. So, But it's good to see them back at least trying to make a concerted effort to play again in the fall like they really should. I didn't know what a, a winter schedule was going to look like in, say, starting in November and, or even starting in January because nobody else would have been playing. But at least now you get to start uh, on the weekend of October 24th. Now, the schedule just came out uh, yesterday morning. It was uh, broadcast live on the Fox Noon kickoff. Uh, of course, there were some games that were canceled yesterday collegiately-wise, because of COVID. And, but anyway, Illinois has their schedule, like we said, and we're gonna run through this real quick and we're gonna each talk about how we think they're gonna do in each game. I mean, I know the games are not for five weeks. Things can change as we've seen in the better part of a week lately, but uh, so you're talking five weeks, you're talking a whole lot of different scenarios that could present themselves. So uh, welcome in Jeff. Uh, Nice to have you aboard once again. We're going to just talk Illinois football for a few minutes. I'm looking forward to it. Um, tough thing. I think we're thinking about maybe predicting the Illinois record um, this season. Tough thing about that is I haven't really read any previews of Big Ten. This, the timing is so thrown off. You know, usually the the Street and Smith or the you know the Sporting News or Sports Illustrated preview comes out in August, and you you hear about. You know, Jim, you do some actual reports from Illini practice and who's who's going to be the quarterback, who's going to be the number one um, running back and so on. I'm assuming Brandon Peters is the quarterback and Luke Ford is the tight end. Other than that, you know, I haven't really kept up with that. So I get, we're going to have to go off of a lot of last year's I get players. the Phil Steele college football preview <clears throat> each year since I'm a member of the Football Writers Association of America. So I get that at a discount. So I've that's kind of like the Bible for... Uh, college football previews. Do they have Illinois any good? They have Illinois uh, picked seventh in the West in the uh, Big There's Ten. There's only seven teams in There's the West. There's seven teams in the West, so they're they're last in their division. But uh, coming off, you know, there's a lot of in, indecision. I mean, there's a lot of players that have decided to opt out. Now some are trying to opt back in. I know there was a couple from Ohio State that decided they're going to play now since the Big Ten's going to play. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, Let's just take a look at this week by week here real quick, just okay. to kind of get an idea of what the schedule is going to look like and how we think they're going to do. So <clears throat> Sounds good to me, Jim. They will open up the season the weekend of October 23rd and 24th at Wisconsin. Now, we all know what happened last year in Champaign. That was the James McCourt game where he kicked the game-winning field goal to stun the Badgers. Mm -hmm. But the Badgers aren't the same team, and I, I know Illinois lost some players too, but you got to go to Camp Randall this time, so uh, I'm not holding much hope for this one to for Illinois to come out uh, two years in a row against Wisconsin, so I'm going to mark that one as a loss for the Illini. I think I would concur with that. I was at the uh, Illini-Wisconsin game. 
<clears throat> my uh, my good buddy Brian Altenbaumer actually hooked me up with tickets, and I was able to attend the game with uh, a friend. Yeah, a couple friends, and we we had a great time. But I thought Wisconsin outplayed us. To be honest, I just thought you know, boy, they're just they're moving the ball, and then they turn it over or something would happen. So. I say Wisconsin rolls in this one at Camp Randall with no jumping around, probably with no fans in the stands. Right. <laughs> now we go to week two, which is Halloween weekend, uh, the 31st of October. The Purdue Boilermakers from nearby West Lafayette come over to Champaign to play. And I know Purdue's missing some key players too, namely Rondale Moore, who decided not to play. I mean, he's wanting to get ready for the NFL draft. Can't blame him on that front. But I think Illinois can beat Purdue. I really do. They've, they beat them last year in West Lafayette. I think they can win again, and uh, I'm going to put that one down as a win. Yeah, I also think we'll win that game. The funny thing about Illinois lately is, like, when we play Indiana or we play Rutgers or we play Purdue, we're thinking, ooh, we can beat them. But I bet they're thinking the same thing. I bet Rutgers is like, well, we can beat Illinois. You know, they haven't been any good for a while. So you can't just mark it down in, in pen. But I do also think we will beat Purdue at home. So that brings us to week three, the weekend of November 7th. Are there any buys in this game? No, there's no buys. Like it's eight, eight straight weeks. weeks okay. And then the ninth week we'll get to in a few minutes about how that's going to all work out. But okay. For the third week, they have Minnesota coming to Champaign. Now, Minnesota, this is my first toss-up where I'm not really sure how this one's going to go because this could go either way. P.J. Flex, a good coach, kind of a little uh, out there in terms of uh, demeanor and everything. But I really think that Illinois can win that game, so I'm going to say Illinois will win that one to be 2-1 and one on the season. I think Minnesota's going to row the boat out of here with a win. Um, I like the way P.J. Fleck coaches i think college coaches high school coaches should grab a face mask and you know rah 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 and shove them out on the field lovey is more of a business type business like nfl coach and i think this is a close game talent wise but i think pj out coaches them and they row the boat home with a win and that leads us to the next weekend when they travel to rutgers to play the scarlet knights now just to break the suspense we will kill rutgers <laughs> there you have it from my side of the fence I think that <laughs> Illinois will beat Rutgers as well because Rutgers doesn't really uh, get gather any fans anyway. And well, playing in front of hardly anybody, I don't think it'll matter. Is Shiano back? Greg, Greg Shiano's back. So, That's the one thing. Greg yeah. Shiano is a good coach. But he hasn't recruited anyone yet, correct? But, right. So, and it's probably going to take a year or two right. for Shiano to get the... Uh, Oars in the water to take a PJ Fleck expression uh, back in business in uh, Piscataway. So I'll say uh, Illinois wins that one by two touchdowns. Right. Illinois rolls in that one. Now the schedule gets a bit tougher, Jeff, as uh, Illinois heads to Nebraska on the 21st of November. Uh, Nebraska, you know, always tough. They say Lincoln's the Third largest city in Nebraska on game day. Obviously, it won't be this year because... Is without, it the third largest or the largest? Or maybe the largest. I thought it was the largest. Maybe the largest. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, it probably won't be this year because there's no fans going to be in the stands. So, But I and still... It, it's not 20% or 10%? I don't think so. I think zero? this Big Ten okay. rule that they're not going to have any fans. So okay. I, I don't think... I don't see Illinois coming out of that one with a win. So I'm going to pencil that one down for a loss. 
I think if we had them at home, it's a toss-up, and maybe we win. But yeah, going to Nebraska, a long trip, uh, the tradition, Scott Frost, or Scott Frost. Scott Frost, yeah. Um, I, I think Nebraska takes that one. Then leads us to the Thanksgiving weekend. And the Ohio State University coming to Champaign. Who knows? You know, they might be. Uh, I was hoping we'd get off with just playing Ohio State University this year, but you know, it seems like we always end up with the Ohio State University. So I don't see there any way that we can beat Ohio State, even with uh, a full roster, and they have two or three players out. I just don't see it happening. They're way too talented. Uh, they've got a lot of potential first-round draft picks on that team. And uh, quarterback Justin Fields, I think he'll uh, have his way with the Illini defense that day. So I'm going to say they lose that game. TLSU names the score in that one, and that's a loss for the Illini. Then Iowa comes to Champaign, and that is probably, I mean, Iowa's good. I saw them play in Iowa City last year against Illinois. They're a good team. They're well-coached. but I think that uh, Illinois will lose that game to Iowa, and then that way they will be three and or three and four. Um, Iowa's my good buddy uh, Kyle Cooper Riders team. Kyle and his wife Carrie are big Iowa fans. Um, as much as I'd like to pick Illinois to beat Iowa, does Iowa have some trouble with some suspensions or? Did Ferentz get in trouble with some sort of... There was some kind of a thing. Yeah, or... there was some kind of thing that was said, I believe. Okay. And did they lose any players or I don't know or... what was lost in the in the shuffle on that. So okay. it's every, there's a lot that's happened since uh, last f- football season. So Right. Now, two years ago, Iowa just killed us. Last year, we beat them? No, or... they beat us. But in, it was uh, a lot closer? It was closer. Okay. There was a Brandon Peters got knocked out of the game late, and there was a potential uh, late hit call that was never called. Okay. And uh, we, you know, Peters walked right by us as we were walking up the tunnel towards the press room, and he didn't look good. So uh, he, okay. he was out the next week with concussion protocol. So. Well, just to kind of tick off my buddy Kyle, I'm going to put Illinois in the win column in that one. Illinois 31, Iowa 3. And then our last game. Uh, at Northwestern, it's a typical end-of-the-season game. Uh, last year it was in Champaign. This year it'll be in Evanston. And that's in late December. And that's December Boy, 12th. That'd be a sellout crowd if they were at a, if they were having fans. I'm be sure nice, people be nice and chilly along the lake up at uh, <laughs> Evanston that day. Negative 30 windshield. Tickets would be going for thousands upon thousands of dollars, I'm sure. I think Illinois will win that game, and I have them finishing 4-4. Four and four, And... I think they'll get up for Iowa, come through with a big win over the uh, the Kyle Cooper Rider Troop, um, beat the Hawkeyes, and then crash um, emotionally and come out flat against Northwestern and lose that one. And Fitzgerald always seems to have his team up to play Illinois. I, I think Northwestern sees Illinois as you know a big deal, a big rival, and I don't know that Illinois really. Right, I think Illinois and Iowa. I, Illinois sees Iowa as their big rival. I correct. do believe. I think so too. And maybe even Michigan. Even though Michigan's won the like the last 50 games against us, but yeah, I just don't think we see them as a rival. We come out flat. Northwestern wins that one, and I've got us then at three and five, which I hate to say that, but which game won't, by game, which won't put them in a bowl. I think four and no. four might, 
but I don't know. We don't know how bowl season is going to work either. So there will be a ninth game, though. Okay. The weekend of December 19th, when the Big Ten Championship game is going on in Indianapolis. The two seed in the East will play the two seed in the West, and so on down the line. So there'll be three, four, four, five, five. Okay. There'll be seven games that day, so Illinois won't know who they're playing until that you know until the standings are determined. But you know you have to get through that first, and there's a lot of people saying that they won't make all eight games because somebody will have a positive test. They've had a whole lot of different uh, <clears throat> ramifications, and things that need to happen now, uh, including daily testing, uh, keeping a positivity rate under 5%, and all that. So I think if anybody can do it, the Big Ten can. But we'll just have to wait and see what happens. The SEC starts this weekend. Uh, There was quite a few games this past weekend. But, I mean, while we're on football, basketball season is going to be starting, too, where the Illini basketball team can start playing games as early as November 25th. So you'll have a carry over there a little bit to where you'll have uh, overlap where the basketball team will be playing the football team and you'll be trying to figure out which game to watch and maybe they'll be on the same day maybe they won't but they can start practicing as early as i think october 14th so that's coming up here in the next three weeks sure is that the normal day they would start i think pretty close i mean they may give or take a week or two but uh with the everything you know all the expectations heightened for illinois this year uh, I'd hate to see a basketball season lost due to COVID, oh, especially sure. how good Illinois is going to be with Io and Kofi both coming back. Uh, I haven't seen them picked outside the top 10 in the nation in any poll, preseason poll. Now, preseason polls, you can take to the bank and do whatever you want to with them, but throw them, you know, use them as uh, kindling or whatnot. But, uh, you know, it, it is what it is, and I think uh, everything will... Uh, work out in the end right talent is talent and adam miller i mean he could have gone anywhere he wanted um uh, io could have gone anywhere he wanted and he's one of the best players in the nation uh, we have the rim protector we've so so badly needed um i i think talent talent wins and only has it this year so i sure hope they get to play but to use the phrase it would be so illinois <laughs> it would be so illinois to have the season canceled or boogered up in some manner to where we don't get to go out there and play and make the tournament and see what they could do. So who knows? Just keep your fingers crossed. Well, we had a good first segment there, Jeff, talking about college sports. I like it that things are slowly starting to come back, uh, whatever form that is. We'll be back after this short break with our high school segment. Stay tuned. And we're back on the latest episode of the Jim and Prim Show with Jeff Primer. I'm Jim Cotter, and we have a special guest once again, Jeff, in our midst, senior Isaiah Imke, that is a two-sport athlete at SJO, and uh, wrestles as well as plays baseball. And we just kind of want to get some in, you know, input from him on how his seasons went. Uh, he's also, as we will find out later, uh, helping his dad coach uh, PVO middle school baseball over in Ogden this year so we'll kind of ask him about that and he came in wearing a White Sox jersey so I'm sure we're going to have to cover the White Sox and their clinching of the AL Central already so without further ado let's welcome to the show 
Isaiah Emke. Welcome to the show, Isaiah. Thank you. Yep. Hi, Isaiah. Thanks for coming in. Yeah. Um, just to kind of get it over with, you know, the this is a year of COVID. So the first question we've typically been asking is, what was it like to have your junior season of baseball just kind of taken away from you and ruined? We would have been pretty good this year, and I think everybody knows that. Oh, so yeah. it's, it's a shame, but what was it like to, to not get to play this past year? Um, I think the number one thing for me was, like, uh, playing with the, those seniors was would have been a special a special thing for me because my eighth my seventh grade season we uh, went to state and uh, we didn't I mean the outcome wasn't what we wanted it to be but uh, to get another chance and another shot to play with those guys would have been would have been uh, nice to have again obviously and uh, it was it was even though it was my junior year and I get another shot at it uh, it was super sad to see those guys go and you know not get another shot playing baseball with them again so now your wrestling season was kind of a on and off uh, deal with you starting a season <clears throat> on the injured list, not wrestling, and then coming back middle of the year, going all the way through regionals, through sectionals, and qualifying for state at 145. So, I mean, it was fun watching you come back from your injury, uh, getting your strength back, and just what was that like uh, taking the uh, mats at the State Farm Center, just, you know, being among the best of the best? It was uh, it was a surreal experience uh, uh, watching. I, I went every year until I actually you know, made it there, just to watch and you know just to be in that environment. It's, it's really cool uh, to be on the mat and you know to you know walk around you know down there through the tunnel. It was it was uh, definitely what I dreamed of. I mean, obviously the outcome isn't what I wanted to be, but. I mean, it was definitely a great experience, and you know, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I'm sure you've set goals for yourself for this year, coming out with wrestling, and I'm sure you've been to the March of Champions on Saturday night. Oh yeah. Which is kind of the, the I think one of the best environments in high school sports is watching the the March of Champions, and I don't see any reason why you can't be there this year. It'd be kind of nice to see a, you know have another St. Joe Ogden Spartan. Uh, vying for a state title. Have you ever pictured yourself doing that March of Champions? Uh, yes, I definitely have. Um, I considered it, uh, especially when I wrestled in IK, uh, youth wrestling. I've been to state uh, four times when I was in IK, and uh, it was it was uh, it was a neat experience there. But I've always dreamed of uh, you know getting to the Assembly Hall or State Farm Center as they call it now, and uh, being on that Grand March. I mean to. I've always pictured myself in one of those uh, boxing robes and running out there and having a good time. So, um, Isaiah, I've seen you play baseball and I've seen you wrestle, and you're quite good at both of them. Kind of a two-part question. Do you have a favorite between the two sports? And then after that, do you plan on going to college? <clears throat> excuse me, college to either play baseball or to wrestle somewhere, Division One, Division Three, just you know, after high school? Uh, yeah, I definitely have a favorite. I'd say baseball is my favorite. Really? Yeah. Okay. I've uh, recently took a visit to uh, KQ Community College, and uh, I really enjoyed uh, my experience there, and, and I practiced with the team. It was, it was, uh, it was, I had a really good time. So, yeah, I definitely want to play baseball in college, and that's okay. what I want to do. So. Okay. Yep. Now, I know I said at the outset that uh, you helped your dad coach PBO, you and your brother Brock, this year. What's that uh, situation been like for you, helping your dad coach middle school kids? Because you've been there before. You've played uh, middle school baseball. What's it like being on the other end helping coach? So uh, last year, I uh, started coaching with him for the first time. 
at PVO. I didn't coach first base. I was just in the dugout, you know, doing what my dad told me to do. And uh, this year, I'm, you know, I'm getting coached first base. And I'm really, uh, I really have, I feel like I'm more of an influence on uh, the kids. And it's, it's really, it's really fun to me, you know, to be able to uh, teach the, a younger group coming into our high school and, you know, uh, to show them that, you know, what, what, what it's going to be like up there and just get them prepared for, you know, what's to come. And, you know, they're good kids and trying to teach them, you know, to grow and to be, you know, better kids when they get into high school is one of our main goals as coaches, me and my dad. And he's, he's been a major influence in my life, you know, <clears throat> making me who I am today, you know, discipline and stuff like that. So it's only right that we uh, teach other kids that as well. You're obviously a White Sox fan coming in with the White Sox yeah. jersey on. Uh, what do you think? What do you think of the White Sox uh, rise to stardom this year with a lot of those young guys, Yon Moncada and uh, Jose Abreu and uh, Luis Robert or Robert or just those guys? I mean, they're probably a year, at least a year uh, early from what they thought they were going to be. And you know, with the shortened season, obviously 60 games. But the White Sox have played some great ball down the stretch, and I think they're very deserving of where they're at uh, winning this AL Central. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I've been watching them recently. I mean, not as much as my dad. My dad's, you know, all over the White Sox. But, uh, I mean, it's, a, it's really fun to watch Tim Anderson play the game. I mean, not only defensively, but especially offensively. I mean, he, I mean, he was the, what, the uh, hitting, hitting champion last year. And he's definitely got a shot at it this year. So, I mean, it's really fun to watch him. I mean, the other day, uh, pitcher was getting ready to throw a curveball. And, and as he was going in to pitch, he moved up in the front of the box because he, I don't know, he's just a smart hitter, I guess. <laughs> I said, hopefully that's not under the Astros because I didn't want any part of that. <laughs> well, dropping it down a couple levels, back to uh, the high school level. The baseball team's been having workouts here in the winter. I'm just getting started. I'm can probably do some stuff outside and you know, who knows, but what's the uh, prognosis or the forecast for the uh, SJO varsity this year as far as baseball goes? Hmm. I mean, I think overall that, I mean, we're looking, we look pretty good, obviously. I mean, we look solid. We had uh, a lot of pitching, I'd say. And, uh, you know, with Crane at shortstop, obviously. Oh, actually, there's no set positions yet, but I mean, he's been he's been a major role since his freshman year. So to have him, you know, uh, just to be able to be a leader and you know help the team out, is, I mean, is is huge. And uh, I mean, our pitching depth is 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 really solid right now. I mean, we got we got sophomores and and juniors that are obviously going to play this year. So our wide range of just you know just of all ages on the team is is really solid. I mean, we're a good team and, you know, we're, we pick each other up, so. Okay. I know you were either the number one or number two pitcher on the junior high team. Wasn't that like you and Zach Martini were kind yeah. of the two top guns? Are you part of the uh, varsity pitching staff this year or are you more of a position guy? Um, I'm not quite sure yet. I think <clears throat> that uh, I'll be in the rotation. Uh, I definitely – I. I definitely think so. Yeah, I'll be in the rotation this year, and hopefully, uh, you know, uh, play second base a little bit and just do what I can. You know, wherever Coach Haley wants me to play, I'll play, and I'm I'm gonna fight for a spot. So, there's a lot of comp. There we're like at least two or three deep at every position. So, it's always a uh, it's always a competition to fight for a spot, and uh, you know, I just gotta work hard and get get there. You know.
Now, when you say fight for a spot, do you mean that kind of rhetorically, or would you actually wrestle someone out there on the field to take their spot from them? Uh, you know, I, no, I wouldn't wrestle anybody. I mean, it would, it would. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't mind it. You know, it's supposed. Are there any other wrestlers on the team, or would it just be you? I think I'm the only wrestler on the team. Okay, well, you can have any spot you want. This, <laughs> yeah, I guess I could. I guess, but no, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> no, yeah, uh, I would definitely. Definitely, you need to work hard and you know just you know get get to where uh, I can secure a spot. Obviously, so. Okay. Last question for me, Isaiah. I mean, obviously, you being a White Sox and me, me being a Cub fan, uh, it's the possibility that the Cubs and White Sox could meet in the World Series this year. But the thing is, it's not going to be in Chicago and it won't be played in front of any fans. It'll be in Globe Life Park in Arlington, Texas. So. But it still would be pretty cool to see the Cubs and the Sox in the World Series. I mean, there's a lot that's got to happen. The Cubs have to get through the Dodgers, and of course, the White Sox have to get through the Yankees or the A's because they're two pretty tough teams in the American League. So, just what do you think it would you know, be? What would it mean for the Sox to get to the promised land uh, a year or two before they're supposed to? And don't count out the Cardinals with their juggernaut <laughs> offense. Just FYI. <laughs> Back to you, Isaiah. Um, I'm really hoping to see the Cubs in, uh, not in the World Series. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> Jim. Uh, considering my mom's a Cardinals fan and my dad's a White Sox fan, so it would kind of be cool to see them two teams in the World Series. But at the same time, it would be cool to have two Chicago teams play each other in the World Series. So it's, I, to me, it would be a win-win. But, uh, I mean, for it to be played in Texas, that would be a different environment. It'd be cool to see, you know, them play at Wrigley and also at Comiskey. Well, I don't even know what it's called anymore. I just, my dad said. Guaranteed right field, guaranteed I think it right is now. Guaranteed right field, yeah, the long name. But uh, <laughs> uh, I w obviously I'd be definitely shooting for the White Sox. And uh, it kind of hurts that we don't have Michael Kopech this year as a pitching, as a pitcher, because I feel like our pitching depth isn't very well. But our offense definitely makes up for our defense. So that's nice well isaiah we appreciate you coming in talking to us for a few minutes we really enjoy these segments we talk to the high school kids and best of luck uh with the wrestling this year as well as baseball hoping you guys get on the field and everything and good luck to your white Sox in the playoffs oh yeah <laughs> thank you guys appreciate it yep thanks isaiah yep And welcome back to episode number nine of the Jim and Prim Show. We want to again thank Isaiah Emke for coming in and talking a few minutes with us. Very insightful young man there, mm -hmm. uh, talking about wrestling, baseball, future plans, and of course his White Sox. He told us he wore his White Sox jersey and on purpose to create some buzz, yeah. and he certainly did that. I mean, we're we're happy for the White Sox. We're happy to, for the White Sox fans because they've been. Uh, uh, tossed around for the last few years with all the uh, rebuilding that they've done. The Cubs did the same thing a few years ago, rebuilding, and look what happened. They won the World Series in 2016 and uh, poised to make another playoff run this year in 2020. But we're going to talk about MLB as it enters its final week of the regular season. It's hard to believe uh, we're to this point. A lot of people didn't think that we would get here to this point because of COVID and how the Cardinals lost almost a week and a half in the early part of the season where they're still trying to make up games. 
But uh, the Cubs, at the uh, as of tonight, they're playing the Twins as we speak. They're 31 and 21, so they have eight games left, seven after tonight. So they go to Pittsburgh next for four games. So uh, hopefully that's a good omen of uh, the Cubs playing the Pirates. But uh, just uh, what do you think as the uh, uh, baseball season enters its final week, Jeff? Just uh, how the Cardinals are looking, and uh, we're going to talk about the playoff format and who's in, who's not in, and who's uh, wanting to go. Well, a couple things. Um, it didn't go unnoticed by the prim half of the Jim and Prim show that you slid in that mention of the Cubs 2016 World Series. Um, <laughs> nicely done. Every time I do that, though, a Cub fan invariably says, well, that's in the past. Well, the Cardinals won the World Series in you know, 1967, and they won 11 of these. Well, those are in the past. The goal, if I may paraphrase Herm Edwards, the goal is to win the World Series. If you do it more than once, that's a good thing. If you win the Indy 500 six times, it's not that, well, that's in the past. No, those six wins are really cool. So just putting that out there. But nice slip in of the Cubs 2016 the World Series. The reason why I slipped that in is it was 108 <laughs> years between World Series wins like for clockwork. the Cubs. Like clockwork. <laughs> and it was nice to see them win. But, yeah, the Cardinals have had a good history, too. And the Cardinals look poised to make the playoffs again. Yeah. I think with the Cardinals and Reds both winning, they're within a half a game of each other. Uh, four, four and a half games behind the Cubs right now. So Cardinals still have three games to make up. So they can make three games up in the win column. But the playoff uh, structure came out early in the week, Jeff. And uh, the wild card round, which is the first round, are going to be held at the higher seed, so it's going to run one versus eight in the National League and one versus eight in the American League. So it's going to work kind of like a uh, NCAA tournament format where one plays eight, two plays seven, three plays six, and four plays five, uh, on and so forth. And they don't go home and home. It's every, right. All it's, three games, are, all three games are at one location okay. to kind of minimize travel. Then the divisional rounds in the National League are going to be played in Arlington, Texas, and in Houston, Texas. Both are American League cities, so you're not going to be playing on your home field if you're a national or American, vice versa. While the American League cities that are going to be playoff hosts are San Diego, which is a nice ballpark. I've been inside of it in uh, uh, Petco Park, and in Los Angeles at Dodger Stadium. So those two ballparks will be the... Uh, NL or the ALCS or championship division or and then the World Series is going to be held in Arlington, Texas at Globe Life Park. So uh, they're kind of putting them in a semi bubble, so to speak. So that way uh, you have one location that all the games are going to be played in. Maybe not the best uh, format for baseball like we normally are used to. But then again, 2020. We're used to a lot of things that we're not seeing in 2020. So Right. I actually, as much as I hate a lot of the, the new things they've done this year to kind of, they've bastardized extra innings with the runner at second, the DH in the National League, the no fans and all. As much as I don't really like all that, I kind of do like the idea of the World Series, just the World Series, being played at a neutral site. Good weather or a dome instead of... You're worried about rainouts and cold and just, you know, they've made it that far. You, it'd be like the Super Bowl. You know, people attend the Super Bowl even if it's 
Like if you're a New England fan and the Super Bowl's in California, the Patriots fans seem to make their way out there. So I kind of do um, like the idea of the World Series, not just this year, but maybe in future years, being played at a neutral site. Um, let me write a, write a quick wrong here. I promised another shout-out to my buddy Daryl Dable. The um, Fighting Irish of Notre Dame waffle-stomped South Florida today, 42-7 to or something around in there. And then his... Uh, his Packers um, won pretty handily over Detroit. Can't remember the score, but it was some, I think, maybe in the 40s to the, the teens of the 20s. So another shout-out to Daryl Dable and his pack and his uh, Fighting Irish. Rudy was offside, though, Daryl. Um, shout-out to him and those two wins. And then I got to uh, put a plug in for my Rams. My Rams beat Philadelphia 37-19, to I think it was, today to start out 2-0. So, and on that note, the Bears defeated uh, the Giants 17 13. It all comes back to Chicago with you, doesn't it? It sure does. And <laughs> even though Mitch Trubisky didn't look very good in the first half today, or I guess. Uh, Maybe they should start Foles in the first half and put Trubisky in in the fourth quarter or something. <laughs> but the Bears held on to win. But getting back to baseball, this is where we started this segment on. The. Playoff clinch, clinchers already are Tampa Bay in the AL East. Of course, the White Sox, which we mentioned with Isaiah, have clinched the division title in the AL Central. And Minnesota's clinched one of the wild card spots in the AL. And then Oakland's clinched a spot in the AL West. In the National League, there's only one division winner that's been announced. <clears throat> that's the Dodgers in the NL West. Everything else is still up for grabs, although... That's going to be probably uh, more definitive in the next couple days as the number of games shrink. Are they going to <clears> seed <throat> the playoffs purely by record, or do division winners have some sort of advantage? The team with the best record in the National League gets the top seed, then the second team with the best record gets the second seed, so on and so forth. So it isn't a division thing? I don't think so. I think it's uh, this year and this year only with the uh, one versus eight format. Okay. Uh, that's how they're going to do it. So. So you could technically have an entire division in the playoffs and. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. If it because I think if the it Padres works. have don't they have like the second best record in the NL? So they'll be the two seed even though they didn't win a division. Right. You okay. could you could technically you could technically have I think <clears throat> you could technically have three teams from one division make it the playoffs if it worked out that way. So. Okay. But uh, it's just you know I'm 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 glad to see baseball. Ending up on a high note that, you know, they haven't had a whole lot of positive cases. It seems like it's eradicated itself from the major leagues. I mean, there's been, you know, handfuls, as we mentioned, with the uh, NCAA football games being canceled. I know the Florida State coach caught COVID, so his associate head coach is now coaching a team while he quarantined. So it is still rampant in some sports, but for the most part, baseball is... uh, Finishing up its regular season in this uh, shortened season of 60 games. It's been fun. Like you said, it's been fun watching them, even though there's been no fans in the stands. It seems more like baseball now. And uh, just with everything happening, uh, uh, you know, Cardinals still looking, you know, like they can challenge. These last few games are going to come down. It looks like uh, they're going to be meaningful. So Yeah, the Cardinals are going to lose a game this season somehow negative one to zero their offense is utterly atrocious 
but their pitching just seems to keep them in every game or most game. Um, Flaherty started against was it Milwaukee the other day, and Milwaukee scored 17 runs. So I mean, it's not a guaranteed thing, but pitching wins in playoffs, and they have Flaherty, they have Wainwright, um, Dakota Hudson. I think is hurt at the moment, but the bullpen is strong. So. I think the Cardinals' attitude the last few years has been just get in and then see what happens. And that's kind of how the playoffs are going to be this year. With all those teams in there, it's going to be interesting to see see what all happens. And you've seen a lot of high run totals this year. One one time, I think Atlanta scored 29 runs in a game. And the Marlins scored nine. So usually yeah. you get nine runs, you're in good shape. I mean, when you... Well, score nine runs and you lose by 20. That means you're not having a very good day. But uh, but anyway, uh, uh, we'll be talking more about baseball as the playoffs unfold here after the next week. But when we come back, we're going to skip to our Seinfeld segment. We're going to stay on the topic of baseball because with Seinfeld, there's been a lot of references to the sport of baseball inside several episodes. And we're going to talk with those. And we'll be back after this. And we are back on the Jim and Prim show, episode number nine. Now we come to our favorite segment, one of our favorite segments of the entire show, and that is when we talk about Seinfeld. It's usually our fourth segment, and it's uh, leaning in that order again tonight. But since we've been on the topic of baseball tonight and talked to Isaiah Emke earlier about baseball, we'll stay on the baseball topic and talk about baseball references in the nine-season run of Seinfeld. And Jeff, uh, just thinking about some of these episodes, there's been quite a few. The early episodes where you have Jerry and George in softball games uh, mm -hmm. when they've been in, either in their Friends of Clyde uh, uniforms or Broadway bound. Uh, one episode that comes to mind is the Pony Remark episode where uh, Jerry's uh, aunt or uh, cousin or somebody had a pony. She's from uh, Russia or somewhere. And uh, he wants to play a softball game and ends up, uh, she, Manya ends, Manya's the lady, she ends up dying and uh, he didn't think he was going to play because uh, Jerry's mom and dad indirectly thinks that maybe the remark that he made about the pony had some reason for her dying and therefore uh, he would feel guilty if uh, he would go play the softball game, but it ends up raining right? and uh, he ends up getting to play anyway, but he has a real lousy game. So yeah. if you're going to talk baseball on Seinfeld, I think it begins and ends. Well, it doesn't end, but the, the pinnacle is June 14, 1987 when, uh, Keith Hernandez made a crucial error, let in five Phillies runs, cost, cost them at the game. game. <laughs> the Kramer and Newman's day was ruined. <laughs> um, turned out they believed that Keith Hernandez had, in a JFK-esque sort of a scenario, spit on them from the gravelly road, um, but it turned out to be Roger McDowell. And Newman kind of put two and two together, and it was, you know, maybe it was because they, they were yelling insults at him, or and I think they poured a beer on his head. In the, in the bullpen. <laughs> in the bullpen, so. But I think that's, 
that I think is my all-time favorite Seinfeld episode, and that was you know, baseball was a key element there. Um, another good one is where Kramer went to the fantasy camp and he punched Mickey Mantle in the mouth <laughs> because uh, uh, it was a Joe Pepitone kind of he threw some chin music at Joe Pepitone and you know leaning you know Joe Pepitone or not that's my you know, the insides of my half of the plate and there was an incident so that was another good one. Uh, Bette Midler episode where uh, she, uh, the woman that Jerry was dating was the uh, stand-in for Bette Midler and Rochelle Rochelle. The strange erotic journey of a woman's journey from Milan, Milan to, to Minsk. Minsk. <laughs> and uh, George was uh, rounding third and Bette Midler was catching and George ran right into her and knocked her out of the game. Mm -hmm. Put her in the hospital and uh, Janice... Graham was the woman that Jerry was dating. She got to be the uh, uh, star of Rochelle Rochelle because Bet right. wasn't there. The understudy. The understudy. And uh, so that was a fun episode there. Uh, you had Joe DiMaggio who dunks his donuts at Dinky yes. Donuts. Yes. Who knew the Yankee Clipper was a dunker? Right. Certainly he's, not he's us. He's very focused because Kramer went whoop. He was banging, <laughs> trying to distract him and couldn't do it. That's why he was such a great hitter, is because his intense focus. Another one was the intervention episode where Kramer had dumped a, a, a jug of Gatorade on Marty Benson. No, Kramer told someone oh. to dump the... I, that's what I was thinking, too, but I think Kramer told someone to do it, and then it killed. <laughs> he got pneumonia and died, um, and I think the guy that did it was you know, not having a very... He was having kind of a hard time with it, but Kramer told him to do it. Anyway, they had an so. intervention with this Richie uh, about uh, about the whole ordeal. Right. Then there's the episode where Elaine uh, wears an Orioles cap to a Yankees game when they're right. sitting in the owner's uh, box. Two rows from the dugout, and I leave it to George to be pissed off that, you know, I wanted to put my feet on the dugout. and you know, Only George would complain about you know, being two rows off the field instead of just one. I think the funniest part of that episode is when Kramer's, like, doing something and a foul ball hits him in the head and he kind of tumbles over the seats. And, you know, Michael Richards was so good at, you know, flailing and he's, he's got that long, lean frame. So that was my favorite part of that episode. And then Elaine talks to uh, her boss, Mr. Littman, and lies to him about why she didn't, why he didn't, yes. uh, why she didn't go to the Briss. So, uh... Was, that with sees, the was there a moyle involved? No, that was a different episode. <laughs> but there was a moyle, but that wasn't the episode. But uh, anyway, uh, the paper shows that uh, there was a scuffle at the ball game because there was uh, somebody wearing an Orioles cap, and then Mr. Lippman finds out from uh, his uh, accountant that uh, he's got tickets that he wants Elaine to go with him to the ball game, and then he makes mention. He, I think he knew she had worn the hat, because he goes, hey, you're from Maryland. Wear that Orioles hat. We're going to have some fun with him. So, mm. And uh, so that was that one. Uh, George, obviously, worked <clears throat> for the Yankees as the assistant traveling to the traveling secretary. secretary. Met, met some sons of bitches and some bastards from Houston, as I recall. At so there were, there were <laughs> quite a few episodes where that focused on the Yankees <clears throat> and George working in the Yankees. Because the, the hand model is actually uh, who got George the job uh, at the uh, Yankees. Because really? it was her dad that was the uh, some some kind of an accountant or whatever that got him the job with the Yankees. Because he talked up the Steinbrenner 
and nobody did that, and, Stein, and George Steinbrenner was like, mm. hire this man. Right. And then there's, of course... Fitted half <clears throat> day. That was a good one. There's Body, the Dan- suit, body suit man. There's the Danny <laughs> Tartable episode where it's the telethon that uh, George is trying to get a real live Yankee on the telethon, and right. uh, Danny Tartable was eating his uh, Snickers with a fork and knife. Wasn't it a donut in the car? And donut, yeah. It was but- a donut. <laughs> But that seemed to be a going theme for a couple of episodes there where Mr. Pitt would eat his Snickers with a fork and knife and then Danny Tartable was eating his donut mm-hmm. with a uh, fork and knife. So that was then George helping out J- Derek Jeter and others on their swing and saying... Uh, but well, we, won we, the, we won the World Series. In five games or six, six games. <laughs> then, of course, speaking of George Steinbrenner, he appeared in a lot of episodes. It wasn't actually him. It was voiced by Larry David, but it kind of sounded like Steinbrenner, and we all know what kind of a, a codger uh, George Steinbrenner was. Uh, he kept firing managers left and right, and I imagine it wouldn't be a very good boss to work for. So, no, I'm sure but you can just see. I'm sure there's more episodes that we forgot about the sport of baseball and Seinfeld, but you can see how they wove wove that around being in New York. This this scene set in New York. Obviously, well, I guess the one, another one I forgot, just thought of it, was when Jerry uh, was thinking about getting illegal cable, and the Mets were on. Uh, oh yeah, to watch the uh, Mets game. And then Cable Boy. A, the episode where uh, he dreams about getting shot, and though some of those early episodes, the a kind of was a struggle there at first yeah. to get the show going, but I think around season three or season four, it finally caught wind. But some of those early episodes, when you go back and watch them. It was like, I wonder how this show even made it nine seasons. And you know, to be one of the greatest shows that it, it has been mm. in syndication and probably will live on forever. So, uh, well, that wraps up this episode of the Jim and Prim Show. Uh, once again, we'd like to thank you for listening. And uh, if you have any ideas for future shows that we can think about, feel free to drop either of us a tweet I'm on Twitter at IlliniGuy1063. I'm at Prim2126. And we will talk at you next week with MLB playoffs as well as uh, week three of the NFL. And who knows what's going to happen with the Big Ten and college football. So we will talk at you next week. Until then, I'm Jim. He's Prim. And signing off.